It's all personal. You know, everyone's got different situations they're dealing with, so we all have really unique challenges to our life. And, uh, you know, we're, I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of shit going on, so. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Oh, well, excuse us, Tom. Some of us are, in fact, ready for some football. Great news. Football is here. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus 3 Sports Fans. We did it. It's the footballiest time of the year. Thursday, West Virginia, Pitt, college football, Purdue and Penn State, football. Then a week from Thursday, pro football. It's all happening. I'm over the moon. I'm sure Eddie Spaghetti is behind the glass there. It's a sad day, I guess, for a lot of guys. I know, well, I not guess, I know, for the guys who are getting cut, a lot of whom will be scooped up. Thanks to, in part, I'm guessing, the people on social media. It, it's become a funny new thing with uh, cut down day, Eddie Spaghetti, thanks to Twitter and beyond, because any guy who gets cut, including Alex Leatherwood, the for, first round pick last year, sweet Jesus, Raiders, uh, cutting your first round pick one year after the fact. Um, guys like that get cut. I haven't seen three good snaps on tape, and yet everybody sees that name and then they subtweet it with the little eyeballs to help out their general manager, I'm assuming. Hey, look here, this, this, uh, this guy who's been a bust, we need to sign him to fix our football team. Any huge ones out there today, Eddie Spaghetti, that you've seen at the time of this recording beyond Leatherwood? Beyond that, nothing super, super I mean, maybe the Josh Rosen kind of the cut. Just yeah, because, a week ago, it was a buzz. He was going to start for them. Right. I mean, just because you have Brissett and then you have, I believe it's Josh Dobbs, the only other quarterback on the roster with obviously Deshaun Watson moving to the suspension list. That's kind of shocking to me because... Um, maybe uh, maybe I would be reading the tea leaves if you know the Jimmy G contract extension didn't happen because they're like, oh, they're gonna make a move. They had a clear spot. They want to get rid of Rosen, whatever he costs um, to bring in to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. But it seems like they're just gonna roll with Jacoby Brissett and uh, Josh Dobbs, which I uh, not that I believe in Rosen, and I don't think that Brissett could be maybe average. But I, I don't know, man. I don't know what the Browns are doing. If you if you're in a win now mode, you spend all this money on this quarterback who can't play until week thirteen. Uh, I still feel like you you have the best you should bring in a quarterback who is better than Jacoby Brissett, and I do feel like Jimmy Garoppolo is that guy. Uh, and, and the reverse side of that thing is I'm not really sure what San Francisco is doing besides waving. Uh, it's a red flag to me uh, that he that Trey Lance is just like they're not fully confident in him. I don't I don't really see how you could think anything otherwise than that. But no, in terms of the cuts, I'm in the Alex, minority on that. I don't think it's as as subversive as Pierre like that. This it has to indicates be. A, a dislike. Lance was throwing 500 passes. He's thrown 500 passes in his entire professional and his career in college. And in high school, it, they, it's definitely a worrisome thing. Well, oh yeah, he's not guaranteed to succeed, but you know, if if you're getting pennies on the dollar and you can't purge that contract at this point in the year, why not have maybe the best backup or you know top three backup in the league in a contact sport? It doesn't seem that crazy. I'm looking forward to hearing more on this from Tyler Dunn, today's guest, uh, the host of the, the Go Long podcast, uh, golongtd.com. He makes wonderful pages about uh, pro football. Looking forward to talking with him, longtime Packers beat guy, uh, strong on the Buffalo Bill stuff and beyond. So looking forward to that conversation. Real quick, before we get to him, Eddie Spaghetti, you know, we could pour over the roster moves here, and there have been some intriguing ones that really may impact 
the playoff chase for a number of teams. But it's time to go macro here. I got to get our picks in um, as we get ever closer here and time running out, number of podcasts to do. Let me just breeze over them for you. NFC West, I've got the Niners winning it, 11-6. and six. You can get uh, that juiced at plus 175 to win the division. Those seem like appealing odds to me. Nick Bosa, I know that's a risk to go over on any individual numbers here. He played 17 games last year. I'm rolling the dice over 11.5 sacks for him. Rams, 10-7. and seven. Um, I like Cooper Cup to go under 109.5 receptions. I think Allen Robinson is a more consistent, better version of Odell Beckham. And by the way, I think Odell's going to wind up re-signing there. That'll take targets away from him. Cardinals at 7-10. and 10. I'm sorry. I'm not a huge believer in what they have going on uh, down in the desert. And the Seahawks are more or less waving the white flag in advance of the season. Geno Smith or Drew Locke, neither one is going to work out for him. They're going to go 3-14, and 14, but they have done a nice job setting the table for next year for whoever the quarterback is there. And then we're also going to get into some, you know, I have the Packers at 13-7. and seven. We're going to talk some, uh, some pack in just a second um, with Tyler Dunn there. I think they do hold off the Vikings, who are legit, in my opinion, and are going to be a factor. And lastly, Eddie Spaghetti, I wanted to tell you before we bounce out here. Oh, here we go. The AFC East, my final picks, another 13 and 7, the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen's going to have to run a little bit less. I think a good bet is AFC title game, exact matchup, Bills, Chargers, pays out 11 to 1. That's fun. Two best teams. I, you know, listen, I know you can make a case for Chiefs and uh, Ravens and, and Bungles, but I think those are the two best teams on paper, Bills and Chargers. That's, uh, that's a pretty attractive uh, number there. Patriots, 9-8. and eight. Dolphins, 8-9. and nine. You can absolutely talk me into those two teams flipping. They really, to be honest with you, are a stay away from me. A lot of intrigue with those two teams. Not much with the Jets. I think they go 4-13. and 13. Um, I think the defense is what lets them down there. Big year for Robert Sala all of a sudden. There, you see that a lot with coordinators who thrive in a really great situation in terms of the personnel they have, and then they jump, and you assume, like, Sala is solid. He's going to be great. Everybody was over their skis for him. I feel all of a sudden like, he better prove it, because Joe Douglas has held up his end of the bargain. Now yep. it's time for the defensive wizard, Sala, to put a halfway decent uh, defensive unit on the field, right? Well, I, you know, I, I totally agree with you just said about Joe Douglas bringing great pieces. And I, and I, you know, the good news for the Jets is I believe uh, as of today, Zach Wilson was walking around in practice. So that's a good sign, obviously, for him to return earlier uh, and not really see much of Flacco. I really like the Jets' young pieces. Uh, you know, I, not that I'm saying they're going to beat the Bills. I think the Bills are the AFC's winner. But I do think the Dolphins, the Patriots, the and, and the Jets are all going to kind of be, it's going to jump around a lot. You know, the, the second, third, fourth position is going to be moving around constantly, I think, throughout this season but when you have like Brees Hall and you have Michael Carter and then you go and add Rucker in the draft and they, they have a ton of good young receivers there uh, I kind of like their offense and I agree the okay. defense may have some holes but they'll be scoring uh, they'll be scoring here and there I mean you said four wins uh, I, I I would definitely take the over on on the four wins this is what I do too I do that too like what that's the number but then I at this point, but if you do it like when people are doing it in April and May or whatever and going through the schedule, it's like we don't know who's going to be on the roster if a guy's going to lose a leg between now yeah. and the start of the season. But we're now we're close enough where I think you can kind of go through the record and uh, the record, the schedule and assess. And I was with, I was with you. I was like, the Jets are going to be better than people think their schedule for a fourth place team 
is insane. I mean, got, stop me when you hear two wins. Say stop, Spaghetti, when you hear the second win and then hold on in your brain to the first one, too. Here we go. The Jets. Ravens at Browns, Bengals at Steelers, Dolphins at Packers, at Broncos, Patriots, Bills at Patriots, Bears. Is that the second win now? Did they I, win I, one I, of those games before that? I, in my hand, I had a. I mean, I think there's a chance they could beat the Steelers because if they're going to okay. roll Trubisky, I'm not. I'm not a big Trubisky fan. I definitely think they could split with the Patriots. I definitely think they could split with the Dolphins. Um, okay. And then there was, and then the Bears. I mean, uh, I don't. I don't. The Bears could be the worst team in the NFL, even worse than the Seahawks. So I, I think the Jets have enough of a spark on offense to score some points. They'll they'll lose some games they shouldn't lose, and they'll win a game two they shouldn't win. And I wasn't saying that you know over four. I wasn't saying they're going to win ten games. I'm just going to. No. I think they could win five or six. I just think there's enough young. Talent there and I and I do agree that Joe Douglas is putting good pieces in place there um and and I don't think the division is gonna be that bad I do you know think the Dolphins will be okay I do think the Patriots despite what a lot of people think will be okay um you know they will beat up on each other but I think the Jets will surprise some people this year even after all the injuries losing Beckton obviously is the, the major one but if, uh, if Zach Wilson goes back week one or week two I think they're gonna be they're gonna be they're gonna surprise some people in some weeks Patriots are going to have to, I'm going to have to see them at the bottom uh, of the standings before I believe that that's their place yet. You're not going to talk me into mm-hmm. that one. Let's talk about all of it, that division and beyond, with uh, with one of our favorite guests. His first appearance in 2022, just in time for pro football. Let's get to Tyler Dunn. Let's get in a quick break. All right, everybody, looking forward to this conversation right on the eve of pro football kickoff. Who better to talk with than our guy? If you are not already a subscriber, correct that ASAMP. GoLongTD.com is how you track down all the great work of GoLong, the podcast, and really the pages this fellow makes. He, He really paints a lovely picture with his words about uh, our most beloved game. Speaking of that, upcoming book and I, I this ain't jive i know i don't read a ton of books these days i read this one the blood and guts how tight end save football this guy's got a lot of shit going on it's tyler dunn what's the poop fella <laughs> right tom brady's quote I, he needed to say 35 then 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 that would have been perfect but yeah a lot of shit going on but loving every minute of it it's great to be here um Long overdue. I mean, I love the show. Love you, Shecky. It's it's an honor to be in your presence, let alone have you read my book. I was I was blown away that you even wanted to read my book. So I greatly appreciate that. I listen. I, I you know this the the this business requires some jive here and there. This is not jive. I don't jive on this podcast. I'll thank you to abide by that one cardinal rule we have here. I it really. I opened it up to some stories around one Jeremy Shockey and was captivated, then turned it back, started from the beginning, from Ditka on. It's fascinating stuff. The tight end position is is a fact. You know, I want to talk to you about the here and now pro football, but real quick, I think this is a strong enough um, focus on one position group. I assume that this now you've set yourself up for a series of books about all positions, but are tight ends the most interesting personalities in pro football or is there another one? I think it really is. I mean, you, you can't tell the story of football without the tight end position because you got to do everything, right? You got to get in the trenches and get, get bloody, get bruised, 
break a few bones with the linemen, and then you got to go downfield, split the seam, make a play down the field. So I, I thought the Dallas Clark put it really well. It's like we're kind of positionless, right? Like the, the receivers don't like us because we're taking targets from them. The linemen don't like us because we're stepping on their toes. So you get some weird personalities in that group, and that's really what you've seen over time. I mean, really, and it starts with Dicka. The position started with him. I mean, he is the first modern tight end. And then it, it evolved from an X's and O's sense. But what really blew my mind is it, it evolved from a personality standpoint. I think that you really do see the best personalities in the sport distilled down to that tight end position because, holy, holy cow. I mean, it, and I, I can't wait for people to read the book, whether it was drinking beers with drinks with Jeremy Shockey and hanging out with Ben Coates or hanging out with Tony Gonzalez. They, they all have – so many untold stories that um, I, I don't think are out there that I think will blow people's minds. Well, right. It's, it really is about the personalities. This is not a book uh, as uh, I'm not trying to scare anybody away uh, from, from buying it. And you can do it at Amazon and uh, elsewhere. I noticed online before we got That's going right. here. Um, you can pre-order, but it's, this is not like, I prefer to have a hand in the ground at the, this is not that this is, I mean, this is, these are not siloed stories about tight ending. These are, you know, iconic football people who are good storytellers talking to you, Ty, and telling all the surrounding stuff. So basically if you've been interested in the last 50 years of pro football, you'll probably find some stories in there that you're going to like, I told you Ditka grew up in the same neighborhood as my mother, Mo Damashek. She wasn't allowed to play with him and his brother because they were known for pulling girls underpants down but and he confirmed that story on national television on should have uh, have interviewed the the shecky family for this what was i thinking right well sequel or you move on to kickers that might be another good one next all right let's talk about pro football now and we mentioned brady so i guess let's start there before we get into bills and packers and and uh for steelers fans want to get your thoughts on trubisky because you've seen him up close as well um but let's start with the goat I get it. He's the GOAT. He gets to play by different rules and has played by different rules that have benefited the New England Patriots for at least a couple or a few Lombardi titles along the way. That's some intentional snark directed at uh, at Spygate and otherwise. Um, But exactly how far are we supposed to go with this? If you're a Buccaneers fan, for real, I guess you can take that attitude of like, hey, I just want to win. That's all I care about. But I think that's a weird spot for for fans to take. How enthusiastic are you supposed to be if you're a Buccaneers fan when the guy has made it clear, I'm just a mercenary. I'd rather own another team in Florida right now, but I guess I'll come back and do this. And I got a lot of shit going on, everybody. Dude, I, I, I think if you're the Buccaneers, you do whatever Tom Brady tells you to do. You bow to his great. I know, I know. It's not what people want to hear, but what's the alternative, right? What are you going to do? You're going to go draft Josh Freeman again? You're going to go, you know, find a Jameis Winston and, and hope he doesn't turn it over 20, 30 times? Like, it's they've, they've seen the other side. They've seen the other world. And it's not just exclusive to Tampa Bay. I mean, look at Green Bay. Two years ago, they basically told Aaron Rodgers, do whatever the hell you want to do. Like if you want to miss OTAs, miss OTAs. If you want to, you know, defy the the COVID protocol, go ahead. Like we'll let you hold us hostage all off season long. You're Aaron Rodgers, and he's won one Super Bowl. Tom Brady's won seven. You know, I had to count there. Right. So right. I, I think he's got the license get away. to completely. I, I know it's not the right thing to say, but if anybody can just disappear for two weeks to 
whatever he was doing, hang out with family, get plastic surgery, do the mass singer. I don't, I don't know. Like he can <laughs> all three, maybe we don't know. All three could have been, he's Tom Brady. He'll be just fine. You'd rather have him than literally any other alternative at that position. All right. I want to talk Rogers, but before we move on, you are confidence meter in Tom Brady in 2022. He's 45. The offensive line has been not destroyed, but it's taken some some big hits over the last month. Confidence level in Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that division as more and more people are starting to float the Saints as a real contender within the division. I'm not buying that noise just yet, but how say you? The whole conference. I mean, the Cardinals could get to the Super Bowl. The Vikings could get to the Super Bowl. The NFC is is not the AFC. And if, if you're Tom Brady and you still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Cameron Bray, Rashad White, I think, as a third down back. And I spent a little time with him for a feature at Go Long. He's a, a special human, you know, more than a player with what he's been through in his life. But I, I think that that is that next, you know, Kevin Falk, James White, Shane Vereen. He hasn't really had a good receiving back in, in a while. You know, Fournette can catch a dump off here and there. But Rashad White, he can run that option route. He'll be able to get up on a linebacker, turn one way or the other. And I, I think that over time, as the season progresses, he's somebody that is going to become Tom Brady's best friend. There's there's still a ton of talent. He'll be fine. They'll be fine. You know, pencil him into the conference championship game. Well, uh- this applies to Rodgers, but I think Brady, I, I trust Brady has the sense to know who he is at age 45 um, and understand that he's better off to be deferential to the run game and to a powerful defense, and it really should be that. Um, so you're going Bucks to hold on to the division, Saints 2 and Panthers 3. Am I, am I allowed to uh, assume these things? The Panthers are sneaky, though. I kind of like the Panthers. Three, that defense, man. People, the people forget what Rule and company did that first year that they just loaded up defensively in the draft, not offense. You know, it, the defense was top ten statistically across most categories. So if they can even just get a little bit better, maybe your top five and turnovers or yards a lot, whatever. The offense just has to kind of be middle of the road. I mean, if they can be the 14th or 13th best offense in the league, which if Christian McCaffrey's healthy, which is a huge if, I'll give you that, obviously. We haven't seen it in the last two years. Carolina's a playoff team. I mean, B- Baker Mayfield is a massive upgrade over what they had last season. I think that Carolina and, and this wide-open NFC could, could sneak in, and I know we don't want to read too much into the preseason. It's always dangerous, but that throw that Baker I mean, Mayfield was incomplete. It. I ignore it. It's, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. But, 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 but. That throw against Buffalo, it was Farvian. The way it just like slipped between those two diving ants. He's got he still has that that juice to his game. It's it's in there. I'm 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 a believer. Your, your Steeler fans listening to me may think I'm on, on drugs or something, but I'm a Baker believer, and I think that there's a ton of talent around him, even from a skill position standpoint. Oh no, as as it started to unfold for there was like a couple of days there. When Roethlisberger was out and you knew that and it was there was the thought that 
Mason Rudolph, somebody in the draft and all that conversation. I mean, I legitimately thought, I mean, it's the same thing that applies to Mitchell Trubisky, which is upgrade in culture and more practically in the personnel around him. I thought that applied to Baker Mayfield too. He got a raw deal in Cleveland. If he crossed the Ohio Pennsylvania border to see how the other half lives, I think things would have gone well. And I thought it would have been a hysterical, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't even know who to compare it to, uh, uh, kind of crazy story. Shakespearean, I guess, is what it would be if he came over and <laughs> while they had the the crumb bum Watson and if the Steelers wound up with Bake, who, <laughs> Ooh, who everybody like delighted crumb in bum. booing for the last couple of years, would have been funny. But um, so where Rodgers is concerned, I, I've been saying for the last few weeks here, if he can be Elway, when the Broncos won those two Super Bowls at the tail end of his career. And Peyton Manning, I know, was a shadow of himself. But in 2015, leaned on a power run game and a great defense. Does Rodgers have that in him? Because the whole conversation has been around who's he going to throw to and all of that. Meantime, the rest of the roster is loaded up. Can he accept the premise that, like, you're still the main man, but you don't have to do it all anymore? That's what the 2022 Packers season, maybe the whole NFC comes down to. I'm with you. I think this defense is four or five years in the making. What Brian Gutekunst has done, drafting guys in the first and second round constantly. I know they get made fun of for not drafting receivers. They've loaded up on the other side of the ball. I mean, you take two studs out of Georgia to strengthen the middle of your defense. Kenny Clark might be the best nose tackle in football. Devondre Campbell's making plays all over the place. Jair Alexander, one of the best, if not the best cover corner. Um, Savage at safety can light you up. So there, there's a ton of talent over there. They're going to hold teams to 20 or less points. You've got maybe the best two-headed monster running back, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones. You have a great offensive line, even if Bakhtiari's out. It comes down to Aaron Rodgers being willing to play a different type of game. I mean, I covered the team on a day-to-day basis from 2011 to 2015, I want to say. And in those games, it, it, the script was the same. Like, you know, it turned into a shootout. And by the third quarter, Green Bay would probably run away with it. And they'd win 11-12 or 15 games like they did in 2011. But you get in the playoffs, you get dragged into the back alley, and you get the snot beat out of you. Like, they just weren't personnel-wise built to win a game in January. And it's not something that you can just change with one signing. Like, that's what a lot of fans wanted Ted Thompson to do. Just, you know, sign one guy in free agency. Do it, Ted. And I mean, it worked with Charles Woodson and they did win a Super Bowl. You can't take that away from them. But that point forward, they were reluctant to. And it's not something you can fix in one offseason. I think several drafts, several free agency classes, and they're, they're ready to win that kind of game. But is Aaron Rodgers ready to be like, OK, it's good if this drive ends in a kick. It's good if I just okay, run the confidence level, confidence level in that happening. I think, you know, I, I think I am I, I, at first I was going to say not very confident, but I think that Aaron Rodgers is a smart guy. He knows where physically he's at and that this is the best. If, if he's interested in winning, that the best mode of operation is to run the ball, you know, let Matt LaFleur set things up to get things going in the ground game and, and win a low scoring game, play some field, play field position. Their special teams have been trashed the last few years. So they, you know, they pay up, you know, a huge contract to get the best coach, in special teams that they think they can get. They're finding guys that are just going to play special teams. You're built to kind of play that game. And it's weird to say, but I think they can. I'd pencil them in to that conference championship game too. My one, uh, one area that I have 
like, uh, you know, one one hundredth the concern that a lot of people seem to have around these Packers, because I think they have amnesia. Have people forgotten before Devontae Adams got there that Rodgers put up some of the not his personal best, some of the all time great seasons? And I'm talking past Mel Blunt rule and liberation of offense and everything else. I'm talking within the era of past happy stuff, some of the you know, two, two of the best seasons you could ever find for a quarterback when he was throwing to James Jones, Jordy Nelson, and Donald Driver. I, I get that this group is inexperienced, but that's the only knock I can really see on them. Fine. So he doesn't have a number one. Maybe that benefits long-term these Packers. How say you? Yeah, I think they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Like they, And that's why you paid him all this money. That's why you gave him $150 million to, which by the way, if he retires, I mean, he's... Still going to walk away with a lot of money. So the Green Bay Packers are all in. Like they are bowing down to him, as we were talking about earlier. They are at Aaron Rodgers' discretion, but that's why you paid him a lot of money, like to elevate everybody else. Alan Lazard, is he going to be burning DBs deep? Probably not, but he's going to run his route. He's going to body a guy out. He's going to catch the ball. Sammy Watkins, he may be playing in another dimension. You know, we got into all that, right? The, the etheric bodies and the astral realms and you know, demons kind of sifting in and out of your consciousness. Hey, I'm all in on that stuff. I believe Sammy Watkins. I believe in Sammy Watkins. I think he'll be a factor. And then you drafted three guys, including Romeo well, Dobbs. If I'm a fantasy, if I'm a fantasy, if I'm a fantasy guy and I land Rodgers, or even if I don't, and I can only have one pass catcher in that offense. Who do I want? Dobbs. I think Dobbs. Yeah. And I know that he had, he had some drops. He wasn't perfect, but it, it just has this. Um, James Jones, Greg Jennings, Jordan. There's been receivers where early on you could just kind of tell they, they they have it. Like this guy's got it. There's something to him. There's some juice. There's some confidence. He has that. Like I think that Aaron Rodgers realizes that, notices that, and he's going to go to him. All right, let's uh, jump over. I I think I know the Bucks are. <laughs> Think still there despite the the fortnight away vacationing and plastic surgery. We have news today from Dunn here that who knows what Tom Brady was up to. The clear cut favorite on the other side of the bracket, the Buffalo Bills. And let's start with this: if the Bills don't win the division, why would that be? be beyond the obvious, which is Josh Allen getting hurt. The secondary. I think Tredavious White, they've been unbelievably coy. Nobody knows where he is health-wise, but he has a practice recovering from that ACL. And then he drafted a guy in the first round, Kyrie Elam, who struggled in training camp. I mean, that's to be expected. I don't know how many corners just come out and shut down a Stephon Diggs, you know, whether you're drafted in the top five or at the end of the first round. But it's going to take a while for him to get up to speed. So Dane Jackson, they, they like him a lot, but he's got some – you know, limits athletically. They're, they're going to have to outscore teams early on for sure. I, and I think they will, you know, I think that Josh Allen and that offense can outscore teams, but do any of those issues in the secondary kind of persist when you get into January? And like Jordan Poyer is working back from an injury. They, they never paid him the money he wanted and he's getting a little older and Mike Hyde's getting a little older. You know, if I were to nitpick, cause I think, I think Buffalo's loaded. I, I think that they can hang and, you know, win any shootout against any team, but boy, you get into the playoffs and those windows, you know, tighten. It, it's it's harder to win through the air when championships through the air and the, the teams that have those secondaries like Cincinnati, 
they can shut down a Patrick Mahomes in the second half. And God, they made him look like Tyler Thigpen, 12 quarterback rating. It was insane what they did to Patrick Mahomes one week after Patrick Mahomes lit Buffalo up. So that, that secondary, you know, I know they were number one in pass defense, but a lot of that was a mirage. I mean, they had a weak schedule and when they faced a really good quarterback, they didn't fare well. I well, I admired what they did last offseason to address the pass rush. Now they add Von Miller, so that can only make them better, you would think, in that regard. But I the thing that also helps the Bills, and I wouldn't have thought this probably three, four months ago. I, I can see whereas the Packers, I think legitimately People getting crazy about these Vikings. And I almost was able to talk myself into a pass for the Vikings getting past the Packers in the division this year. I don't see, I I, I think they're a factor uh, come January. The Lions, not so much. Dan Campbell and his silly speeches do not uh, imbue me with enough confidence to have them at nine or 10 wins and in the playoff mix. But the Bills, all of a sudden, you know, rulers of the AFC East that was dominated for so long by the Patriots are now kind of in that same spot. There's not a clear cut team that's going to challenge these bills, right? I mean, I know there was excitement yeah. around two as Dolphins and Mac Jones in year two, and there was a minute of Zach Wilson, but now it's Flacco early on and all that. But it, I, am I misreading something? Is there a team I'm underestimating, but let's say Dolphins and Patriots? It's funny. I mean, you, you kind of asked me that in so many words and my mind instantly went to the playoffs with the Bills. I like completely just skimmed over the premise of your question because I don't I don't think that there's anybody that's going to challenge them really in the division. And I probably like Miami more than most. I think that Tua Tonga Viola with Mike McDaniel, that that timing based offense where you're, you're taking advantage of what Tua does best. It's, it's getting the ball to playmakers with that nose of the ball tilted at the perfect degree as the guy is in stride where Tyreek Hill can take it and do something with it. Miami, I think they'll be able to score, but are they going to be able to stop Josh Allen? I mean, Josh Allen just has career day after career day against this Dolphins defense. I don't know if anything changes there. So I can't make that leap in the division. And what the hell are the Patriots doing? I mean, I, I mean, don't know. Let's so talk about but before you finish teams. on the Dolphins. Before you, before yeah, the Dol- I completely agree with your read on them. I think the off, I mean, you know, you just look like, you know, it's from a fantasy perspective of who they deploy out there. Now, I don't know what happens with Kasiki in that transition, but, um, you know, Hill and, uh, and Jay, you know, and Jalen Ward, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot that you're throwing at a, a defense to begin with there. And they did. I love when teams do this within a division. They look at the bully in the division. It's the Bills. And the Dolphins went big on the secondary. Now, you, like you say, you don't just fix a defense in one offseason, but they did a pretty good job. And they do have some young guys that are interesting up front to go along with the back end there. I, I'm with you, I, but I can't talk myself into Tua. That's what I don't know. I mean, I, I, it requires a fair amount of optimism that he's going to rise to the occasion. And then I have Stockholm syndrome and that prevents me from diminishing the Patriots, especially when Belichick says after a terrible uh, trio of regular, uh, of preseason games says you can't really evaluate anything based on uh, what happens in preseason. That's, that's not anything for what it matters. They have a brutal first month of the season, but then they get, it gets, I think, how many times, how big a cynic would, would I have to be to, to think that this team's going to go like six and 11? I, I think that they are eight, nine, nine and eight. How say you? Yeah, it, it's hard for any of us to to go there, right? Because Bill Belichick just figures a way to be competitive. Like they, they're going to get better 
as the season trudges along. They didn't start well last season. They lost some close games last season. I mean, they, they right. should have beat Tom Brady. Right. If Jonathan Jones doesn't suffer that injury, miss one play, and Tom Brady goes right at his replacement, Justin Bethel, for a first down, like the, they, they beat Tom Brady, I think. So they're going to get better as the year progresses. I just can't get past the fact of Joe Judge and Matt Patricia being who you're relying on offensively, intellectually. It's, crazy. it's, it's insane. I mean, this is a, a game where everybody's looking for that edge schematically and you're constantly hiring somebody from that Sean McVay coaching tree and you're trying to find wrinkle upon wrinkle upon wrinkle and a different way to fool somebody or make something look complex that really isn't complex or vice versa. Everybody's playing chess. What are the Patriots playing with those two guys? I mean, the, the dude ran a quarterback sneak on third and nine, like when his job's on the line. I I know it's, it's you know, a low-hanging fruit, but it's there for a reason. I, I don't know how Mac Jones is going to become a better quarterback with this kind of tutelage. I guess the only thing that gives you a little hope, you know, you have Brian Hoyer still around, right? I mean, he's basically like another coach. And I, I still remember the Super Bowl they won against the Rams and got players in that locker room defensively said – this guy helped us win a Super Bowl more than anything. And on the scout team, Brian Hoyer, maybe he's your shining light here. He'll help Mac Jones get better. But I, there's nothing on the resumes of the coaches that suggests they're going to help him take the next step. Yeah, and I guess we'll see and how Josh McDaniels does now <laughs> in Las Vegas. And it, they're... There's legit cause for concern. I just I can't get on board until I see it, until I see that Patriots team fall on its face. Um, so I'm assuming you have the Dolphins as the second place finisher to the Bills, in other words. For different reasons than you. I like Tua. Yeah, I think that Tua's going to have a big year. How could he not with the way that they're going to dial up plays with the weapons he has? Can't you, I mean, you can just picture Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddell going deep down the sideline and then Whoever is the other receiver coming on that deep crosser, if you're that safety, you're pressing that situation. What do you do? And Tua can get it there. So yeah, give me Miami in that division. Just, just yeah, I don't I, know why. I, I, I guess they could push Buffalo a little. It depends on what, you know, what day you're talking to me. That with with I think it matters, or sometimes I think it doesn't matter. Um, well, it's it's with Jimmy Garoppolo. I saw you on social media, as a matter of fact, talking about him and whether or not you agree with the wisdom of bringing him back to to be in the locker room when Trey Lance is supposed to carry the day. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm like, ah, come on. Iron sharpens iron. That's all we ever hear, right? Well, not for everybody. It, it ruined Mark Sanchez when Tim Tebow got there. You're suggesting that is a possibility with Trey Lance. I do feel like two... Uh, might be a little bit of a head case at this point. I, I can't tell. So we'll see what Mike McDaniel, friendly, player-friendly, QB-friendly guy is able to do for him. Real quick before we move on to uh, to one more team, um, your thoughts on Jimmy G and where he lands, if he lands anywhere outside of uh, the Bay Area this season. Boy, it just is bizarre. I don't know. I, I know they're saying the right things. They believe in Trey Lance. It's Trey Lance's team. And you would think with his ability to run power – and that big arm, it's going to open up completely new pages in Sean or Sean McVay, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan's playbook. But if you were that confident in him, Jimmy Garoppolo would not be there. I, I, I psycho, the psychology of this stuff matters. And that to a comparison is, is perfect because he did not have the support of Brian Flores and that coaching staff. I mean, whether it's publicly at a podium when it's obvious he doesn't like Tua, he wants Deshaun Watson, or privately, I talked to players that said 
they did him no favors in meetings. We'll just say that or for his confidence, um, let alone the offense, which didn't suit his strengths either. I get it. You're a big boy. You played at Alabama. You won a championship. Just deal with it. But I, his confidence was shaken, and, it, and that needs to be repaired, and I think it is being repaired. What does this do to Trey Lance? I, I don't know. I mean, you can say all the right things, but you still have a quarterback in your locker room that went to a Super Bowl, went to an NFC Championship game, would have been in another Super Bowl if he didn't drop an interception on the other side of the ball. He's got a lot of allies in there. It's it's going to be I – mean, what happens if they lose a couple games in September, right? I mean, you're inviting controversy that you don't need to invite if you believe in Trey Lance, which they might not. I get it, but – isn't the isn't it the more obvious push? Everybody gets absolute about these things, but we also always hear, "Hey, got to have a good backup." Well, that's a good backup. Jimmy G may not be the hero who erases the deficiencies of the rest of the roster and takes you on a deep playoff run, but he's proven obviously when he's on a good roster he can do it. I don't think it's as crazy as I I hear completely the concern about that, the looking over the shoulder at the vet and all of that. Um, I I don't see the incentive at this point unless there's some uh, faceless guy out there who they're desperate to get and they need that loot. But now that uh, now it's a moot point because they can't uh, they can't purge him without uh, yeah. uh, liberating that much money. So I, I uh, to me I get the psychological <laughs> thing, but I'd much rather have the practical good backup yeah. as opposed to uh, as opposed to the the head game. And the other thing I say is talk about like. Aaron Rodgers' mentality, can he accept a certain role? If you're the Niners, and obviously it's a completely different uh, group of coaches and, and beyond, but don't you blur your eyes and say, remember what happened in 2012? Dominant defense, power run game, guy who is an athletic freak at QB, make a couple special plays and don't kill us. Just don't turn the ball over. Isn't that what Colin Kaepernick's Niners did a decade ago? that's completely what it is. And, and you could make the argument that Trey Lance is going to give you a little extra juice. I mean, he, he might have a, a bigger arm with a little bit more touch. He, he might ha- be able to maybe run between the tackles with a lowered shoulder that Kaepernick didn't have. I mean, there, there's a lot to love here. You, you might be right. You know, maybe practically that's just what it is. And it's hard to find a good backup quarterback and you, you had these long talks with Jimmy Garoppolo. You've made it clear to him. You've made it clear to Trey Lance. And you have this plan. Because they did have a plan last year. What all of us were calling for Trey Lance, I know I was, you know, thinking he's that, that guy that can give you something different like Kaepernick did. They stuck with Jimmy Garoppolo. And it wasn't too much of a problem, it seems. So I, I just have a hard time thinking you're doing everything you can to help your young quarterback if you still have the old guy there. I feel like this is a game played between the ears and, and not on a spreadsheet and, and not on a piece of paper where it doesn't, I totally agree with all of that makes sense, but man, he's what? I get it. But, but, but the, the other like, side of that is, just go Hey, Roethlisberger's a jerk. Cause he won't help Mason Rudolph. Hey, Jimmy G, you ain't going to the hall of fame. You're incented to help the guy so that people talk about you the way you talked about Brian Hoyer. You want this guy in your locker room because young QBs can learn at the knee of this savvy vet, right? That that uh, holds water as far as I'm concerned. And by the way, I have the Niners beating the Rams and everybody else in that division. 
I think they they have a chance to do. I I think this is one of those ones. I know a lot of people are saying that about Tom Brady and the Bucks. Like ah, come October, no one will remember the two week break. I think this stuff around Trey Lance. I think by October, people will be saying, "Remember when we were wringing our hands about that? Look how good he is now." And he doesn't have to be. He might fantasy wise be really productive, but he doesn't have to rank to your eyeballs as one of the five or 10 best QBs. He just has to not kill you. And as I say, just make a couple of special plays when you can run the ball and defend that way. I mean, that's how Jimmy G almost played in two Super Bowls in two of the over the last three years. Right. I mean, I've talked to some of his teammates from college, too, and they said that the stuff that this guy can do and I get it. We all remember Kyle Bowler throwing it, you know over the mountains from his knees uh, ahead of that draft. So maybe none of this matters, but it's insane. This guy can throw it 70, 75 yards. The stuff kind of takes on a, a level of legend that you don't even believe, but there is stuff that he can do. Like you said, if he does it twice a game, three times a game, that's all they really need, right? That, that, that's a different world there in San Francisco. They, that's right. they hit, it's a different physicality. You've got some absolute pound for pound, dogs on that team as we like to say that are going to win in january the the debo samuels the george kittles the fred warners the nick boses that's the core of the team not the right. quarterback so they'll I, they'll be able to win i just think like it to me it just seems unnecessary it just seems like an unnecessary well, thing to add to a to a super bowl contender the analogy that i draw for kyle shanahan is that he's like peter parker slash spider-man that he's got to like, he probably shares and uh, he must be bemused watching the the Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan thing going down. Peter Parker must be because he's like, I know what that feels like. This Spider-Man goes all over town fighting high-end bad guys, always saving the day. And then J. Jonah Jameson writes in the paper that, hey, I think Spider-Man's actually a bad guy. And then some people are like, hey, Spider-Man maybe is a bad guy. Like, what the hell? All I do is good stuff. You know, I made Matt Ryan an MVP. I almost got Jimmy G to two Super Bowls in three years. Where, Where's the last? You know, I'm knocking myself out for you people. And this is what I get in return, right? Hey. You know what? Maybe, maybe you shouldn't be uh, throwing the ball when you're in field goal range in that Super Bowl. Maybe, maybe you don't you don't blow the lead against God, who, the, who the hell they put Kansas City in another Super Bowl. So I, hey, there's a reason for that criticism. I'm with he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. You know, at the cutting edge of all this stuff we're talking about, but he gets in that moment and something goes wrong. Something goes. Well, that's wrong. the other thing too. The the thing I would say if I'm Kyle Shanahan to Trey Lance, like don't be don't kill yourself if you throw a bad pick because I can show you lots of tape of the other guy throwing a lot of dreadful picks in big spots. So don't uh, destroy yourself like he's a better option for us at this point. All right, last team, Buffalo Bills, and let well from the Bills comes uh, last year's backup. He is now the starter. We think Mike Tomlin playing games with the local media, the national media, saying, I'm not going to tell you who the starting quarterback is. And then the question, have you made a decision? Oh, we, uh, who said we haven't made a decision yet? I don't get the game, but fine. He wants to go Trubisky. I think it's pretty clear that's who it's going to be. Maybe it won't be. What did What magic happened with Dable and McDermott and Josh Allen that led to this emergence of Mitchell Trubisky is like, hey, He's a changed man now being in that system and a good starting quarterback. People have already forgotten, like, 
It wasn't just the Steelers that were looking at him. There are other places where he might be slotted right now as the number one if they had gotten to him first. How say you on Trubisky 2022 and beyond? I love, I think that Trubisky, you don't have to be a, a Pro Bowl quarterback in that offense on that roster, right? I mean, they 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 made the playoffs. They went nine seven and one with a broken down, to put it kindly, Ben Roethlisberger. So being that we don't, he's an old man. <laughs> he's very he very old. He could lob it up. He could lob it up on the sideline and hope for the best. So they had that going for him. I, I think that you know Brian Dayball does does not get enough credit for where, where you saw Josh Allen was day one, start one, just kind of out there like a newborn deer running all over the place. Not much of a plan to where he is now, where he is unbelievably more accurate. And a lot of that had to do with Jordan Palmer. A lot of that had to do with his own work ethic. He, he worked at it, but that's the coach that's with him day in and day out. That's the play caller that's with him day in and day out. They, they just had such a great relationship. They got into such a rhythm you can't tell me some of that didn't rub off on Mitch Trubisky, but I think the reason for optimism is everything we saw in Chicago where, oh my God, you, you look at what he had to kind of deal with. We thought that Matt Nagy was, you know, the second coming of Andy Reid and that this was going to be a great situation for him. They had that great defense initially that, that got into the playoffs, but, you know, I think there were a lot of factors around Trubisky that didn't help him at all. So that, that accounts for something. You know, kind of the theme of it, right? Tua going from his old situation to his new one. When Trubisky's going from what he had in Chicago to that gap year with the Bills where he's kind of uh, learning some more about the position, he's around the best of the best, to now this unbelievably good situation in Pittsburgh. Maybe that's a little, you know, that might be a little hyperbolic. Let's see that offensive line operate. Well, that's not great, but... You know, if you if that's the spot you find yourself in as a as a team, it's good to have one, nay, two guys who can run away a little bit from pressure. And Trubisky was doing it in Chicago, maybe too much even. He does not shy from contact with large human beings. Um, I hope he learned a little bit more of that from Josh Allen watching him, that that's, that's where he can really have some yeah. virtue in that offense. If everything else is breaking down and they're having trouble moving the ball, the ability to to roll a QB out and Pickett can do that too, obviously, but Trubisky can truck some guys. As far as that goes with Josh Allen, do you think since you've been around that team and, and um, the thinking there, um, I've been saying for 18 months, two years now, you at some point have a difficult choice to make. And same thing goes with the Ravens, assuming Lamar Jackson's there for the long term. You at some point, even if your greatest weapon is the QB running, have to say, stop running because this is not going to work out long term for you or for us. Do you think that they say they're saying right now I'm talking about Josh Allen, the next time we design a run for you, maybe late December when we have to have a win or maybe even the playoffs or do they continue business as usual? Like he's unstoppable. He's Cam Newton part two. Look at Cam Newton now. And that should be a harbinger of bad things to come. How say you? Totally agree. It's going to be interesting, though, Shecky, because you look at last season when they really came out. I mean, that, that season was falling apart for the Bills, right? They get thumped by the Colts, that embarrassing win game against Mac Jones. He didn't even you know, throw a pass when he threw three passes, I think, to That was a great Tampa game, Bay. too. I hated everybody crying about that game. It was a yeah, funny, was, funny game yeah. to see. 
It was something, man. It was something. Uh, I'm, I'm looking out my I window. I would feel I differently like, oh, if I were are. a Bills fan, I'm sure. I would feel rooked. But I, but it was a delight. Was a, everybody has to cry. Every game has to be exactly the same. But baseball's great because there's Fenway Park and Wrigley Field and di- different dimensions to things. Why football can't have a little weather all of a sudden? Now, oh, we got a dome. We got a dome oh. Detroit now. Heaven forbid that there be any L. Buffalo is saying. Chicago's thinking about doing it. Shame the devil on all he is. <laughs> I'm with That's you. Many people at the game; they loved it. I mean, it's a it's a historic game. Like you're never going to yes. see something like that. Yeah, but they th- their season was going. You know, it was going down the toilet. And what kind of brought it back was Dayball and the Bills kind of figuring out. Let's run Josh Allen more. Yeah, and right. It was d- design stuff. He got the green light to scramble more. And I mean, they beat Atlanta, and he was awful throwing the ball. As good as he was at Arrowhead in the playoffs. Josh Allen was terrible. I think he threw three picks, was like 11 to 27, awful. But he ran for a couple touchdowns. He made some plays with his legs. That's, I don't think you want to neuter that. You don't want to take that away from his game, but you don't want him to be a broken down Cam Newton in four or five years. So I think as, as important as that is to his game, you're going to have to tailor it back. You're, you're going to taper it back. You're, you're going to have to change something because he's too important. I mean, they're, you know what's crazy is they've made mistakes around Josh Allen. I know Brandon Bean's done a really good job. You know, the trade for Stephon Diggs, there's a lot of good, but I mean, they draft a lot of guys in the D line that are eh. This, even some skill position guys, he makes a lot of problems go away. He's that valuable to your team. You're, you're going to have to reel him in to an extent. Well, my pitch is to the Bills and to Josh Allen don't run, and it'll play like, you know, in Rocky II when uh mickey goldsmith coaches uh he balboa you know you're gonna fight him right-handed you know you're gonna fight him right-handed the whole way and then in the last round then you'll switch it up and all of a sudden you'll be able to drop the hammer and it'll be like what's this craziness same thing josh allen you don't run hey he's turned into a pocket passer this season then in jan all of a sudden what he's running again we don't know what to do you see they're that's, making the playoffs. You're absolutely right, though. If it's a playoff game, if everything's on the line, hey, you do it. Unleash right. the beast completely. All right. Great last, analogy. La- last question. You have a piece coming up with TJ Watt. You kibitzed with him uh, in the last couple of days here. I'm anxious to read that, of course. By the way, Steelers fans swooned all over the place. What was that, a year ago, your Vince Williams piece? Or was that two years <laughs> ago already? But gangbuster stuff, the last, uh, you know, uh, spiritual Steeler out there. I think Cam Hayward, a couple other guys have kind of emerged to to take that mantle. But I'm looking forward to reading that. Do you, what's your read for real? And maybe you even asked him this. Because... Derek Watt makes way too much money and cuts have come and gone now. So they're not moving on from him once again. And a lot of Steelers fans advocate like get that, you know, you could get $4 million or I forget what it is. If you cut them, what the savings are, but you know, there are now free agents out there that you might want to go after with TJ Watt. Do you think that T- the reason they can't cut him is because TJ Watt would be mad? Ooh, I don't know. That's a legit I mean, they, conversation that happens on the banks of the Three Rivers. Dude, they can't. They can't, yeah. they, they can't piss off uh, TJ. They got to keep him happy. They're unbelievably close, as, as you can imagine. I mean, we talked about that relationship. JJ, they're on a group chat. They're talking all the time, and they're living with each other all the time in Pittsburgh. So, 
it, it could be a factor. I mean, hey, he's your he's your star. He's he's the guy that willed you the night to nine wins last year. He's, in my opinion, the best player in football, TJ Watt. So we got into all that. Well, we uh, echo along TD. So TJ Watt. I, I stepped on your plug because you shocked me there. GoLongTD.com. <laughs> You're going to have to track it down next week. But Yins is saying right. you think T.J. Watt's better than Tom Brady or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Aaron Donald? 100%. I think that when it comes to somebody that can detonate a game at any moment, we haven't seen it at that position. And I know I have it in my lifetime. He missed a couple games last year. He still tied the sack record. The timeliness of his forced fumbles, the timeliness of a batted ball, everything is exactly when you need it, and it's no accident. It's it's really part of his life story. So, um, yeah, I, I, look, if they get anything out of their offense last year, they're a team that could have got hot and, and pushed for the Super Bowl. I, I think that between T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Mickey Fitzpatrick, Miles Jack, I mean, there's a core there defensively to really get excited about, and – it's, it starts with Watt. He's just he's just different. Now, he, if he, he's got to stay healthy, unlike J.J., you know, as his career kind of enters this next phase. But if he does, like if you do the math, this is somebody that could realistically push for the all-time sack record, not just a single-season sack record. There is always the, the uh, Goldilocks thing of like, you don't want to have recency bias and say crazy shit that people are like, what are you talking? TJ Watt, best in football. And cause then the olds get upset. Like he's no LT. Um, but oh. then I, I caution against, you know, kind of uh, getting into the fetal position and saying nothing will ever be as good as it used to be. And he is somewhere in there. He's not LT, the greatest defensive player of all time, but I hadn't really considered where he stands. I guess he is tracking. I, I, Eddie Spaghetti will get upset. He's a Giants lover there, and he probably liked what you said about Dable and what he did for Josh Allen because that projects maybe for dimes. But I'm not trying to upset any Gents fans. Out there. I'm not saying T.J. Watt is LT. But he's kind of tracking to be a generational, in turn, uh, statistically at least, to like go down as like, oh, yeah, he was it for a decade. I, I haven't really allowed myself to uh, to enjoy that. Cause I, cause, cause I'm all about ball and I'm all about winning the next game. Hey, all I'll say is the LTs of the world, the Reggie whites, even the Bruce Smiths of the world. I mean, look at Bruce Smith, all time sack leader, right? 200 sacks. I mean, the most he had Ken O'Brien and Drew Bledsoe are the two quarterbacks he sacked the most. Look at the kind of quarterback that a TJ Watt has to track down. I mean, hmm. it, it's mobile every week. It's athletic every week. They're freaks every single week. He's got Lamar Jackson in his division. Oh, by the way, there's Joe Burrow, who is a completely different kind of quarterback. The ball's coming out in 1.7 seconds. It's, I think it's way harder to sack the quarterback today, even though they throw way more today than they did even in the 90s and 2000s. I think it's so much more difficult to get to the quarterback, and yet he does it at a better clip than anybody, and he does it when you absolutely need it. Um yeah, I get it. You know, prisoner of the moment and being a younger, you know, 35 years old, I can't appreciate some of these players. But right now, there, there, there's nobody on TJ Watt's level, in my opinion. Wow. Wow, that's some some strong stuff. And you'll get no pushback from me. I, I like the sound of that. Uh, oh, I know who I'm talking to. Yeah, exactly. So it's easy. 
Now, if I can go, please, Dave. I have to go and uh, I have to go and join the. Uh, I'm trying to think of who would uh, who else would be, who you might go. Oh yes, I have to go to the Cowboys podcast and talk up <laughs> Micah Parsons as the greatest defensive player in the history of football. Um, listen, good times, pal. Um, let's catch up later in the season. Let's see where our little projections land midseason ish somewhere around there in the meantime everybody within the sound of my voice go order your book now the blood and guts how tight ends save football the author of course tyler dunn and also get yourself subscribed asa amp to go along the podcast and all that uh, good stuff the great writing that piece about tj watt suddenly more intriguing than it's ever been to me thanks for the time pally Hey, great, great to be here with you, dude. It's awesome to see you, hear you. I love the show, and, and I can't thank you enough for reading Blood. Football's and back, and by the way, I have no choice. I have to replace the Chargers now. Now it's going to be the Bills against TJ Watt Steelers in the in the AFC title game, right? We'll see you at Acre Show. There you go. Wear black and gold, though. That's the only thing. Got to wear black and gold. Do you want to sit with me there? <laughs> Let's do it, man. Punch it in. There he goes, Eddie Spaghetti. What did you think? It was great, Tyler. Uh, it's it's very hard, I feel like, to be that locked in with so many different teams, but Tyler finds a way to do that. It was uh, an so awesome do appearance. So And I, uh, yeah, but uh, and I, uh, uh, I jotted down some interesting things. But I think by the number one, you know, most interesting thing he said was. Um, he can't see any of the te- the Bucks not being in the NFC title game, and I was kind of going through that as you guys were talking. I'm like, okay, uh, NFC South for sure they'll win that division. NFC North to me, it's just the Packers or no one else. NFC East, I'm not buying this Eagles stuff yet. I'm still in line with you know what Sal said. I still think it's the Cowboys division to lose. Um, and the West, I know you just said you know you're you think the 49ers to win. I think it's the Rams division to win. But I don't think what the Cardinals did last year, you know, when they're on that winning streak and everyone thought they're the best team, I don't think that was totally a fluke. I still think they're going to be closer to that team. Uh, when New Cockins comes back, I like their depth. Uh, you know, the, the James Conner acquisition was super underrated. He's been great for them. I, I obviously believe in Kyler. And they have enough pieces on defense that they could, you know, get by. I think they'll be nipping at the heels of the Rams. So when Tyler said that about the Bucks, I'm like, no, maybe it's not that crazy. There's like really only maybe three, four other options that could kind of fit in that other spot there. So it will be another season of Tom Brady almost you know reaching another another Super Bowl in his uh, illustrious career well guess what I don't know what uh, shit Tom Brady's going on but the shit of us making preseason predictions is almost done because the real thing is ready to kick off we're over the moon with excitement about it we'll be back in just 48 hours with our guy Kevin Hench to dig even deeper on it to get you right to get you some money in your back pocket before or right after week one and all through the season uh, make sure you're following along extrapoints.com all the great shows there almost all right now steering hard into prep for college football and pro football make sure you're checking them all out including you heard his voice there eddie spaghetti and his pal jen piacente waiver wired coming at you early on tuesday this week if you can catch it live do that otherwise of course get it at your leisure It's time to draft your fantasy football team if you haven't done so already. Thanks to Tyler Dunn. uh, Thanks to Eddie Spaghetti. And thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you in a couple days. Until then, thanks so much, football fans and sports fans in general, I guess. It's been a thin slice of heaven. 